0: everyone, this is Allison Lee, and you are listening to CraftCast. And on today's show, I'll be talking with Harriet Estelle Berman, plus I have lots of things to share with you. So let's get started. Show number 181.
1: Starting the day again, oh yeah. Letting the sun shine in, uh-oh. I'm gonna dig within myself, uh-oh. Life may be never what you think, but I think I'll just go with it and create something new.
0: Well, hello, 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 everyone. Long time since I've been on this microphone, so it feels good to be back chit-chatting with all of you. Lots of news. There's always things going on, right? As we come uh, into full-blown spring here on the East Coast, love seeing all the trees. I mean, where else do you get to see purple trees, right? Purple, pink, white, yellow. Fabulous. Uh and I got back just in time from California to see all that. Uh, I stayed out in California for a few weeks, did some videoing of some upcoming CraftCast classes. Great one. Oh, you're gonna love uh if you're into polymer clay. Uh with Seth Savrick. You should see what he makes. You're gonna love it. Uh but I had so much fun hanging out there and, and uh going to the beach with my son, not on the actual sand. My son does not do the actual sand. We, we go to Santa Monica and look out over the beach and the water. And Venice Beach and just so great out there. I just love being out in California, my second home. So that was great fun. Uh, but we've been very busy here in the House studio doing all kinds of live classes and recordings. So if you're interested in learning something online, some new craft, come on over and check them out. Uh, just last was it three weeks ago four weeks ago we did a wire weaving class if you've ever wanted to learn how to play around with wire and weave it and make things uh this class will go up um let's see it'll be up by the second week in may in the recording it is uh wire weaving with don blair crazy crazy good just so inspiring i love it Uh, Anyway, so that's what's going on over there. So, oh, I have a few things that I want to tell you about. Um, I always like to share products that I love. Uh, This one's sort of funny. You know the Method products, Method soaps. Uh, They're usually in Target, Target, and they come in those clear uh, pump bottles, and they're a little pricey, but they smell amazing. Well. Actually, when I was at Seth's studio shooting video and I used the bathroom, I used one of their soaps and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of tomatoes, but this soap is called Tomato Vine and it's only a limited edition right now. Uh, One of the designers at Method Home, I think her name is Orla Kelly, Uh, this is one of her limited edition scents, Tomato Vine loved it loved it uh so that's something to go check out if you're into those type of things i'm definitely into aromatherapy just makes my feel good uh and then this is a fun little tool i know we all love tools this one's called a paper pot maker uh, it's a gorgeous tool first off I and mean, as soon as i saw it i had to have it <laughs> it's a beautiful wooden tool here's what happens you know how you want to make for your seedlings uh they sell little um I think they're called peat pots that sort of expand when you drop them in water. And you put your seeds in there and water them, and then you can put the whole thing in the ground. Well, this you can make your little pots with newspaper or something else that's biodegradable. Uh, And you just wrap newspaper, paper, I've also used them as little baskets, little uh, treat baskets with candy in it, so I used pretty little papers. But you just cut out a piece of paper in a strip, you wrap it around this little wooden device, and you sort of mush it down. It's really very simple, but it has a little rim on the bottom, so when you mush it down and uh, bring it up, it just forms the little paper pot perfectly. Perfectly. It really has possibilities besides just putting your little plants in there. So anyway, you can get you can get the links to that um, over on the CraftCast website. Easiest way to go looking for it. Just go get the link. I bought that online. I actually sent it to a friend of mine too because I knew she loved it and she did. So it's a happy Mother's Day gift. Uh, so check that out. And then, you know, I love a good app. I love a good app for the iPad, for the iPhone, and uh, for other Uh, mobile devices. I saw this on my friend Cynthia Tinapple's newsletter. She's got a great blog, Polymer Clay Daily, if you want to look at some really interesting things that are going on with Polymer Clay. But Cynthia had this app for something called Felt, F-E-L-T. And it right up my alley, because what it's done is it's taken an electronic app, but what you get to do is send a handwritten card from it. So you get the app. I think each card costs $3.99. So the same if you're buying a card someplace and you put a stamp on it. So it, it's a very it, it's a very cool mix of designing a little card, using your handwriting on your app, and then it goes out through the mail. I know. I hear you out there saying, why don't you just buy the card? <laughs> but you know, I'm a girl who likes an app and I still like craft and homemade. So there it is, the best of two worlds. It's called Felt. Again, you can get the, the link to that over at the craftcast.com site under podcast, today's podcast, number 181. So I love all of those things. I hope you enjoy them. I know I did. Okay, so who's coming up on today's show? Ms. Harriet Estelle Berman. And I talked to Harriet uh, because um, she was at the last Synergy Conference which was held this past March. And she did a presentation there all about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the internet and how it affects people outright copying other people's work. So uh, where is that line? That's our discussion. It gets to be a heated discussion. It's not really an interview. (laughs) But the thing is that we all need to have... um, it's just important to have that discussion out there. Uh, I feel very strongly that, you know, I, I'm I'm committed to helping people find their own creative voice, so they don't feel the need that they have to copy because they don't know what else to think up of. But there's all kinds of lines, fine lines, gray areas, et cetera, et cetera. So take a look at that. Take a listen to that rather, and then make sure if you have uh, the Craftcast app, there's a special bonus download uh, that Harriet answered some great questions about how to um, work on getting your unique voice. It's very good. So make sure you, if you don't have the app, go on over to iTunes and get the app so you can hear that. Uh, But before we get to that discussion, I have a piece of music for you, Amy Chapman. Uh, Amy Chapman and the Velvet Tumbleweeds, like that name. Uh, So Amy's singing today, Wishing Well. So enjoy that and come on back and I'll be chit-chatting with Ms. Harriet Estelle Berman.
1: (music) Wishing on a wishin' well Gotta come out of this with a story to tell Been running this haystack maze under the flight path
0: All right you guys are in for a treat today as I was just saying I love talking to people who are passionate about their passion there is nothing more fun than to listen to that and today I have someone very passionate who's going to be speaking Harriet Estelle Berman if you don't know her uh, Google her because you have to go see her work I think I was first introduced to Harriet by falling in love with her jewelry pieces her tin work uh, but when you go on the site I could not you can spend a long time she has a, a a wonderful, deep amount of work to go through that is quite enjoyable. So, um, today we're talking about something very interesting. It's a pleasure to have you here today talking, Harriet. Thanks a lot for coming on and chatting with me. I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You know I love talking to you. Um, Now, I know that one of the reasons we wanted to talk was uh, recently at the Synergy Conference, which was a polymer clay conference
2: held, um,
0: let's see, was it last month, March, March 2013? It was in
2: March, and it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. You spoke there,
0: and we're going to continue the conversation. I know your talk there was, and I love your title, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly in the Age of the Internet. Uh, and how I'm assuming how that affects art and yes. craft yes and the good and the bad let's start with let's just get right into it. Let's start with the really bad. what's the worst thing that's Ooh. happened
2: okay um well, <laughs> Okay, um, bad. bad. There's lots of bad. Lots. Of, that's that's really super unfortunate. And before we even launch into the good, the bad, and the ugly, I want to say that these issues are not. Even though I gave the lecture at the polymer clay conference, I want to say that the issues are not limited to polymer clay. It's unfortunate that these issues, the good, the bad, and the ugly, exist within, within the entire arts and crafts community. Okay. So, there's some very good things about the internet, and we all know them, uh, just to make, you know, that we get to have a fabulous social network.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Sh- Let's do the bad first. We know I okay, like to end bad, with the good. Bad. Go for the bad.
2: Oh, bad. Okay. <laughs> bad. Okay.
0: The heat of the discussion, because oh, why? Yeah. What's the worst?
2: What's the worst? Well, then I'll have to go right to the ugly. Should we go to the right ugly? Right to the
0: ugly. Forget the bad. Right to the ugly.
2: Yeah. Okay. I think the ugly... The ugly is sharing content or designs, sharing information that you did not write or that you did not create on your, by yourself.
0: All right, so give an example. What's something that's very upsetting? Give me an example so everyone follows How you.
2: Very unfortunate. How about derivative copying of somebody else's work and then publishing it as your own art or craft? And I hear examples of this all the time. It's really super unfortunate that, oh dear, that I hear examples of people's work copied and then the imposters at the ACC craft show. And, or you, I heard another example today on which an imposter's work was sold at Coldwater Creek. Whoa. So Now here, wait,
0: let's back up. When you say imposter, let's be really clear here because it's a hmm. very interesting phenomenon. Because do you think even imposters think of themselves as imposters?
2: Well, that's a good point. And, and uh, it goes right to one of the difficulties about even discussing it is that there's plenty of gray area here. Sometimes correct. the copycat person thinks that they've made original work. And correct. I can understand that... It happens or that people might arrive at an idea simultaneously. These things do happen that, you know, going with the current trends of design or fashion that they might have a similar idea.
0: You know, in the world of fashion, it's just all over the place. And, you know, here's a clear case of imposter. You can go to Canal Street in Manhattan and buy a fake imposter Vuitton or some designer bag, clearly an imposter.
2: In those cases, many of those uh, designer bags that are sold, like, on Canal Street, mm-hmm. they were actually made in the... So much of the that type of fashion accessory is made in China. And then, after the Chinese factory has fulfilled their order for the Louis Vuitton bag, mm-hmm. for example, then they continue to produce a few more to mm-hmm. <laughs> end up on Canal Street. Now, that... Uh, and uh, I do understand that these copycat fashion accessories that they're really trying to crank, crack down on this and you used to see that I go to New Jersey in the summertime all the time and mm-hmm. you would see those in flea markets but we're actually, let's just go into the craft world that okay. of our, cra- let's our hear it. arena this is where it gets uglier let's, hear, my- it.
0: let's hear the ugly
2: because I don't want another artist copies another artist's work or another here's another example they copy the instructions from a workshop and they post it on their blog or website In as other
0: words, as what
2: as or either two choices original content or maybe they're not publishing it as original content but they're sharing unethically so you get, in, you get into a really super amazingly gray areas here in some regard that people might not understand that because information is made available to them at a workshop, for example, mm-hmm. that because they've taken the workshop, whether it's online or at a like weekend class, mm-hmm. doesn't actually give them permission to publish the information on their website or blog. They were given the privilege to participate in a workshop, whether it's on CraftCast or at a workshop. They were given the privilege to participate. They pay, possibly paid for the taking the workshop. Sure, sure. But they did not pay to then share the information with a broader community.
0: So what do you feel about this? Because I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And I always look for the positive of this. And why does it happen? And it does. it's there for good reason. And so if it's going to keep occurring, how do we take that energy and and drive it forward in the positive way? I sort of feel that it's the responsibility of the teacher to make sure that doesn't happen. It's a joint. It's 100% responsibility for the teacher and the students. I really, really, really believe, if because you'll see maybe one teacher gets copied more than another or one person, Mm -hmm. that something's going on for that person.
2: Some- I mean yes I agree with you completely that I do suggest in my recommendations mm-hmm. to that the teacher actually make it part of the discussion mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. if your your class education whether it's the online tutorial for 45 minutes or mm-hmm. your two day workshop it is the premise is education and I'm saying that you need to extend the education of your topic your technique your skill to the appropriate use of the information, and yeah, I, think I agree. Exactly what you're talking about. That if it's a 45-minute workshop, I think you do have the responsibility to spend five minutes talking about how to use the information and how this is the departure point for the student, and that they do they by participating in that 45-minute online tutorial, as just one example, it didn't give them permission to then share it or I, extend the audience for it because they don't own the material.
0: And one hundred. And I think that's fair. You have to teach people this is a new age in the internet and it certainly has been blown apart. I'm very close to the music business as well where, you know, it's... Uh, You don't want people doing free downloads of the music. So that business went through a huge change. I mean, every record store closed. So, you know, it's like, how do you incorporate that that is part of the internet to make it work for everyone? And I
2: think it's a big part of it
0: is the responsibility
2: of the person sharing the information. And I have another idea, which is also a very positive way of sharing the information. We're not talking – and that's where some people – two aspects here about sharing information. First of all, we're all for sharing information, but mm-hmm. the point is to share information ethically and legally. Mm-hmm. And the, So the second part is that another way of or going about this, if you took a fabulous online tutorial with CraftCast or a two-day mm-hmm. workshop at mm-hmm. so-and-so place, then if you're really enthusiastic about the material – an appropriate way to share this information is to write a review. And you excellent. Could post, you excellent. could post this on your Facebook page, yep. on your website, your blog. I took this amazing workshop. This is and then you could construct original content original content, which is the important here, right. original content Correct. about why the workshop was good, what you learned. And so therefore, you have created your own original content. You have honored the person who has invested so much time right. creating that information. Right. And we have to look at it too as uh, an investment in our community. And what happens when you share information unethically or illegally is that you've um, perhaps infected, uh, affected the revenue stream of the person who might have invest, invested days, weeks, or years in developing that skill set. Absolutely. If you share the information inappropriately, then you've affected their revenue and they They might not give workshops anymore because they feel burned. And I'm not just making it up. I hear it from plenty of people who feel burnt out by how people have unethically shared the information that they've invested perhaps a lifetime in developing.
0: And then I'm with you. And then there's that gray area again where... Why did that happen to you and taking responsibility for it? So, I like to be on both sides of the fence and, hey, I'm someone making content all the time and I don't want my content, you know, stolen, given away, copied. You know, right. people worked really hard, they need to pay for it. And, you know, I'd be the first to say if it showed up, I just have my lawyer do the what things you need to do legally. I'm not going to invest the emotional time in that. But it is, um, there's an emotional thing that gets invested that destroys people that, you know, you just want to take it out of that realm. You don't want getting someone burnt out because they feel that way. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. It's, well, it's a really challenging issue for people. And, you know. You just said something great. Uh,
0: and Harriet, I just want to interrupt you. you just summed something great, which is you just gave a way for people to be proactive and say, "Make your own original content." That's something people don't have the tools that might not occur to them. Wait a minute, make original right. content. Wow,
2: right. And with the with the internet, the way it is right now, the the uh, search ag- search algorithms, if people know anything about SEO, have changed markedly in the past year.
0: Oh my gosh! I think so they change all the time. It's crazy.
2: Yes, but the future of the internet is original content. Yes. So yes. you want to learn to create yes. your own original content, which benefits yourself and the community. So, th- this could be your larger objective. And there are other uglies, though. So let's we've hear got it. A few, a couple. <laughs> I guess scary territory here, but, um, oh, here's an ugly. Let's hear it. Uh, There seems to be people who take tutorials, let's say, from a magazine, Mm -hmm. as one example, Mm -hmm. and then they teach a workshop based on somebody else's technique. Or they take a workshop for two days, and then they decide that they are now the master qualified to teach a workshop. Or they take a workshop or... I don't... And I see it all the time in which they have all of a sudden decided that now they're prepared to teach a workshop or skill set that really represents somebody else's artistic voice.
0: Well, now, I'm going to assume in 10 examples of that, there'll probably be all different kinds of gray lines there. Because my oh, first oh, oh, question definitely. is, you know, is that if it says copyrighted in that article, do not teach this, then you're breaking the law. If it's just information out there and an artist takes it, weaves it into their own persona, and then puts back something out there that has their stamp on it, then that's just one more thing you've learned in your arsenal of the teacher. Then there's the person who's just desperate and wants to teach, and here's a good idea. Can I teach it to myself tonight and hold a workshop next week? That's a different person. And I don't think they have a long-term survival because it's just not deep enough, you know? So,
2: Absolutely. And I understand what you're saying. But on the other hand, if, by actually talking about this out loud, I think that we, I, by making it a subject of a conversation like we are right now on the mm-hmm, radio or with mm-hmm. what I did in my lecture, we raise people's awareness yeah, yeah, yeah. how important it is to create your original content. In other words, this goes back again to your workshop idea problem. And that is, you, when you teach a workshop, it should be really from the skills and techniques or, like, artistic vision that you've developed yourself over years. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be because you copied the uh, this month's tutorial out of the magazine. And if I made it up, I, I guess, actually, I don't think I made it up because I went to one uh, panel discussion and a lady, and I, and I... I don't know who it was, so I can say this. She remains anonymous, even to me. But she stood up and she was thanking the magazine for her tu- their tutorials because she was using them for, to te- for her workshops. And I was a little bit appalled. I was actually <laughs> in shock because she was standing up and she was thanking them publicly for this, not realizing what an ethical boundary she had just And taught. that's a
0: good question you just said, not realizing. Pe- and here's where I think it gets deeper. I mean, I've had a student who I taught metalsmithing to for quite some time. And she went out right away and started selling something. that was like, I wanted to say, please don't tell anyone you learned from me. Cause you're not, the craftsmanship isn't there yet. It's just not it. But I understand that's all she could see. She just didn't have the vision of being able to see more. And that's when it falls back on, I think the teacher, because we don't teach design and finding your own voice. We mm-hmm. teach technique and I'm, I do that. I know what people want to. They want to make something the next pretty thing. I'm not teaching people to be an artist. I'm not running an art school. But there's, I loved when I went to art school, and I wish more people had a design background so they could trust their own voice.
2: But that's not there. Right. Well, we are talking about how it takes many years to develop your artistic voice correct the design the use of color and all the issues that come into making uh, great art or craft objects or um, whatever we're making for, for that moment and I think this is part of the age of the internet and now in my lecture I talk about this development of the artist as six creative steps of development and what has happened that originally you went through this original learning phase, copying, mm-hmm. developing your skill set, combining mm-hmm. skills, and I'm summarizing briefly here. Mm-hmm. And what's happened with the Internet is people have somehow jumped from all of a sudden a interest in the media to now sharing online. And going back to the lecture again... We seem to have a perhaps premature desire for attention and willingness to take shortcuts. All of this kind of a carelessness provided that no one will notice, that no one will call us on the fact that perhaps we're really not yet qualified to teach a well, workshop it's an, it is a now,
0: speedy world today we yeah. don't even read books anymore i mean that's an underlying thing as well we do text messaging we don't write letters so yes everything's sped up
2: and i and i understand that everything is sped up but i'm still saying that going back to m- books and content within those books and i'm going to Ill- use two books as an illustration um talent is overrated. Mm-hmm. where they talk about it takes 10,000 hours yes, to develop a skill set.
0: Yeah, yes. And
2: though I understand that everything in our lives is accelerated, there comes a point in which you have to say I need to invest in learning more about my artistic voice. I need to learn more about my skill set and that I'm and it's a reasonable uh, expectation that it, before people Start teaching that they have some level of mastery.
0: It, it is a good conversation to say all this because people are unaware,s very, as my son says, unaware,s of all of that. You know, mm-hmm. it is a. Um, it does take that many hours that freaks people out. You know that. And fre- what?
2: And and the ten thousand hours is not like. For some people, use as an illustration in the book. You know, we know um Bill Gates he was actually developing his level of mastery in computers going back into high school. Yeah, that's your high school. He, you know, we have skill sets that we're building on for a lifetime. Right, so correct. perhaps this is where you're coming where I'm coming from that it's not just when you took your first polymer clay class that's just being one example. Perhaps it goes back to your watercolor experience and the fact that you used oil paints and you yeah, understand yeah. color and you start. You know a little bit about design, and so I, I'm a, i am can in easily in my mind say that you can include that as part of your ten thousand hours. Absolutely,
0: I'm, absolutely, I, I agree. But,
2: but we are jumping the gun a little bit when it comes to all of a sudden saying that uh, somebody is qualified to teach a workshop and you know what it goes back to is the content providers to some extent that we have to look or ask the editors magazines or books or even craftcast you say well, who is the most qualified person to teach so and so technique and in a speedy society sometimes it's hard for us to stop and kind of evaluate research uh the content providers themselves are also have a level of responsibility to investigate and find out who is the most qualified to teach a particular skill set I agree it gets it 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 gets a little bit scary sometimes because there's as you say, our society is so sped up, and so we're rushing uh, yeah. to use or yeah. find information yep, yeah. yep.
0: Yeah listen I talk to a lot of teachers so I'm aware of people who are just beginning and people who are more advanced because they've been a teacher for so long but there's another level that enters where some teachers can't handle um they can't handle giving away their information in a way that's just too upsetting to them when it comes back at them because they don't want you know I've I've heard it all like you have Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know it's um I've worked with and talk to teachers who are more than qualified to teach, and they've learned techniques from other people maybe years back, and yet those people get upset that they're showing that. I mean, there's a there's a big line of, okay, you just copied something you learned next week, and mm-hmm. you're teaching it this week, and I taught you something 10 years ago, a little thing you've added into your repertoire. It's like, where do you draw that line, people? So I I've heard both ends of those things.
2: Yes, uh, yes there is a... A kind of gray area. But there's so many people that use something, an excuse such as there's nothing new under the sun or all these ideas. uh, They don't understand that there is the idea of finding your own artistic voice. Yes. And that scares the
0: hell out of people. That they can't find it fast enough.
2: Yes. And and that's one of those issues uh, that I have not explored as much as I would like. But I do feel that we have built a little bit of an economy based on workshops or tutorials. Absolutely. And we've become over-dependent on them. And what happens is that even the people, and I can personally think of many examples of people i know they're searching for their artistic voice Mm -hmm. and instead of spending the 20 hours that they would invest in a workshop and all the transportation etc and time so we'll say 20 hours for a weekend workshop instead of investing that 20 hours of staying alone in their studio Mm -hmm. with themselves Mm -hmm. being willing to make mistakes Mm -hmm. To find their artistic voice, Mm -hmm. they take another workshop Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they do that over and over and over with this expectation that by taking another workshop and finding another skill that they will find themselves and finding yourself and finding your artistic voice will not come from outside of you. Oh,
0: hallelujah. I'm on the same soapbox as you are, hon. So I not, agree. But that's a struggle. Come.
2: And that's a very hard thing for people to look at. That's true. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we're giving enough voice, enough license to the idea that successes, success comes from a lot of failures and mistakes. And that, that's trial and error that you're actually... Learning a tremendous amount well we
0: yes we do know that absolutely you and I and, can probably list enough mistakes at different things we've done to you just the mistakes fill the room
2: yes and for anybody who we look at who has perceived as the leader in a field or leader in a media mm-hmm. that you would if you looked at their first evolutions mm-hmm. of an idea and mm-hmm. you look at their later evolutions mm-hmm. you say wow they have moved so far and but the reason why they move so far over the years is that they stay dedicated absolutely to finding their artistic voice and developing their artistic voice
0: i will go so far as to say they're not even thinking about finding their artistic voice they're passionate and nothing's getting in their way and their artistic voice is a result from the process they've dedicated exactly. themselves yeah. to
2: well, it's a good point.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we can't confuse that. I, there's artistic. And there's hobbyists, and I love them both 100% equally as well. I think some people might get confused in what they want to call themselves because they think it's one better than the other, and they're not. And I'm the first to say, I love a quick weekend workshop like I did last week with making sugar flowers. and I'm not looking to be a pastry chef. But I Mm -hmm. love what I learned. It was, you know, that's fun. But I'm not going to confuse it with now I'm going to start selling um,
2: cakes. Oh, a really good point there. Okay, this is one of the uglies. I think it's really ugly. I know I'm getting myself into dangerous territory here. <laughs> I think it's really ugly when you take a technique that you learn, and I say technique, but mm-hmm. it could be some skill set or mm-hmm, any mm-hmm, mm-hmm. variable definition. Mm-hmm. When you take that specific skill set that you learned in a book, a tutorial, a workshop, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you've made two and you're selling one. I, now, I, have, I have a real problem with it. And What's I'm, your
0: problem with it?
2: It's not okay. And I know that some workshop teachers will say, it's fine, you can take our workshop and sell. You can take from what I think is a problem is that one, it misrepresents like um, the artistic voice of that person who made it because it's really not their voice speaking there. It's from the workshop. Yeah. And it's not, they're not creating any kind of professional identity for themselves. And yet, I think that when you've crossed the, the line to selling, you you're starting to call yourself that this is where you cross the line into professional hobbyists don't need to sell mm-hmm. they make it for themselves right. they're having a great time right. they gate they give it to their son their daughter their right. friend right and there is a role for that there you if you want to make sugar va- flowers and you decorate your absolutely uh, their cake and that's you have right a fabulous time i'm right. not dismissing that that has value and entertainment right well you didn't start as you said turning yourself into a pastry chef That's right. and then doing online tutorials on the next tv show for the cake the cake guy right. i don't have right. Right. but you know this is where you if you went on that tv show making uh, flowers you would now be misrepresenting your but- skill set
0: I got to tell you something, Harriet, and here I really feel this way. And I've been a professional in the business of advertising and online now for quite some time. You will not last. If I decided after taking that class, I'm now going to start selling. I'm not going to get a business together. It's not going to happen. Because if it does, you've got some miracle power that's way past just making some sugar flowers. It's not going to happen. That's why I don't get up in arms about people who do that, because it's not going to go anywhere or threaten much of anything. It's just not. There's no depth to it.
2: Right. And And I'm not saying I'm threatened by it. What I'm saying is that I think it's time to lend a voice to the fact that perhaps Entering into the marketplace before you've developed your artistic voice, at whatever that level will be, right, kind of fills our craft marketplace with an oversupply of very, let's say, lower-level type of work that's not developed. Correct. And what's, what we're looking at now, and I've looked at it very closely, is that the crafts marketplace is really suffering badly. And there's a lot of reasons, including a poor economy, but we also have a marketplace that's filled to overfilled with, uh, and it comes from at the street festival to the more higher level craft fair to online places like Etsy. And what's happening is everybody who makes something now wants to sell it. And what, y- happened? what happened to just making it because you love doing it?
0: That's, I, I agree. Now, there are people who still find the joy just of making. But the thing that I have found, because I also have spent time in this arena, is that no one wants to take classes that are about critiques. No one even understands the concept of critiques. Critiques are uh-huh. gone. And that no one wants to hear it. No one wants to spend that time to really do what's needed. To get your level of work
2: up to that, and we know what This is really unfortunate. It and is yes, unfortunate. I, I address I address that as another one of my um, points in the lecture. But that's is, the old way of
0: working in art school. You do your work, you're critiqued for years, and then you redo it and you think ba ba ba. And in the craft world, that has gone by the wayside, and no one's really that interested. Well,
2: I, I'm talking that we need to raise that conversation again. We need to, this is being we, I'm saying you and I are talking about it now, but leaders within the field need to talk about the value of making your work better and talking about what makes it better. Even when I was working on my lecture, and I spent months working on this lecture because I felt it was a really important topic, and I discussed the issues at length with anybody that would listen to me and I gave my lecture to friends (laughs) who would then critique me and my son, daughter and husband had to listen to it over and over again and critique me and they were but see the value was that these people because I asked for it were brutally Right. Right they questioned me they made me to they made me evaluate and review every nuanced component of my lecture and it made it better
0: well you are you just said the right thing you knew to ask i will be blunt honest the synergy conference 2 years ago i was one of the keynote speakers i sucked I didn't know what a keynote speaker was supposed to do. And I'm good with talking and good at what I mm-hmm. do. I didn't even know to ask yet. So I understand when people don't know to ask. I sucked. I came home and I got a coach and my next keynote speech was knocked out of the park. It's oh, like, good. yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Now I'm going to get critiqued there and I'm going to learn what you need to do and
2: there's a uh-huh. flow. And, but we don't, not everyone knows that, you know. Well, I think, you know. It's that's, that's a real... A really valuable component just that we're talking about it now. And that even if you were giving a workshop to people, this again could be part of the conversation. How important it is to make it, to actually get really great feedback. And I, when I say feedback, I am not talking about a like on a Facebook page. <laughs> okay and i called it in my lecture the world of like and we have you know like is one of those like first grade words i think they've actually moved it back to kindergarten now no i i
0: i hear you it's to me you know
2: to be and i understand i'm not condemning the word like or the Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like comment i am not Mm -hmm. what i am questioning here is that we think that by clicking a like like button we have offered feedback and we have not
0: no that's correct you're right and
2: everybody is so hypersensitive yes about getting even the most affirming comment like i think you could say your critique and again they're confusing the word critique with critical correct when somebody is giving you a critique they are not On the best side, not being critical, they are evaluating it with a really discerning eye. And I believe that even if you don't know how to give a critique, I still believe you look at um, a dress, a piece of jewelry, an object, an art or painting, and you don't have to know a lot about it to say, I find so-and-so interesting, this area of the painting looks fabulous, this part of the piece of jewelry is great, and if you talk about things with that kind of eye, and open up the conversation for critique, you will learn so much more from other people. It will become- that is a
0: hard one for people to swallow, it just is, and I, here's, not- the no. <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing. Yeah. And here's in the conversation. This is where you get your greatest gift. And it's also in the negative comments. And once you know, you can be open to that. And if you're building, let's say a business, because if you're doing it, you're doing it for money, your art, let's say if you're up to that, I mean, you're doing because you love it, but you're hoping to build a business. If you're also building a business in there your your negative criticism is the most valuable as much as it can hurt it's the way to really mm-hmm. look at something and you know uh, there's a way to also i've done this also with my son cuz he's on stage and it's you 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 have to discern okay that's just a crazy person we're not going to listen to that but there's so right. much to listen to and the negative has more gold in there to learn from than anything yes.
2: else yes and and we can go we can we can also learn from the positive or the negative. The point is you do have to wear your rhinoceros skin at all times. Yeah. You take what you find usable. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't find a comet follows a direction that you care to go, you can ignore it. There's nothing wrong with ignoring the feedback that you feel is irrelevant to your larger objective. Yeah, I agree. But the idea is to elevate your work. And when I say elevate, I don't care whether you're an enthusiast or if you're a professional. The idea is to elevate your work to make it better at whatever level you're working at. And to think that people don't want to make something better, I don't believe it. I, th- I, well, I think it. there's a
0: personal satisfaction. You have to be going for something more. Your ableness gets back to it. You can now get your personal voice, your unique personal voice out more because you've gotten better. Yeah. So that's where the, the the win is. It's like I can now really express more how I want to express myself because I'm better at it.
2: And if you've been practicing at developing your artistic voice, it's interesting how I believe it will shine through. I agree. And, and I'm going to offer an illustration: um, the broken telephone project that was put together by Don Dan Don Dan Cormier. Dan Cormier. Mm-hmm. Dan mm-hmm. Cormier. Okay. What was really interesting was that <clears throat> even though the people were all. A telephone game working off of a similar object, mm-hmm. passing along the idea, another object, another object, mm-hmm. because each one of those people that was addressing this project had an artistic voice.
0: Yeah, when it, yeah, yeah. the
2: outcome, their voice shone through, and yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking it's about. A good so,
0: demonstration of what that means.
2: So, to be inspired. By another person's work or a workshop does not mean that you make derivative work. There seems to be some kind of defense going on, which I'm not going to justify that there's nothing new under the sun, et cetera, et cetera. It's a different I am conversation. That if you yeah. know yourself and your artistic voice, it will shine through no matter what you do. And there's hard work to go into finding your artistic voice. Yes. And but it's worth it. It's worth it. That's the secret. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, being stronger when you exercise, yeah. right? Yeah. It takes, it's, But it takes practice.
0: It does. And I think that that's really, the more people can get that out there and the teachers are the ones that have to do it.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like,
0: this is how the voice comes through. It's by the hard work. It's by the mistakes. It's by the frustration. It's by the keep going no matter what.
2: But it's worth it. It's so, worth it. I this is, agree. This is the big, like, Uh, rainbow the pot of gold at the end it's also um to use another um metaphor it's like stretching and people feel like they're not flexible and the point I want to make is that it's like everybody is flexible to some a reasonable amount it's that you haven't been practicing if you haven't been practicing at finding your artistic voice then it's not going to be there because you haven't been practicing with your skill set correct
0: correct and i uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's you know not everyone has to find their artistic voice if they don't want to they can just enjoy their workshops and absolutely. just
2: you know absolutely go but and they do. cannot take their workshop and then share it with other people and represent themselves as a master they should not be taking their work into the marketplace because they wanted to have a hobby, and enjoy it. And right. that is completely appropriate. It's when you cross boundaries that, and this is where also people need to learn about what is both legal and ethical behavior. And in the age of the internet, we have somehow skipped a few steps, and our enthusiasm and our speed has gotten away from us and we need to step back and look more carefully and we can be far richer for the experience.
0: I agree with you. And the more we can bring back uh, the two things, you know, taking responsibility for your own unique voice, as well as really showing people how to develop their own content. Because, mm-hmm. like we started this conversation, I don't think a lot of those people even know they're not being original. They think they are. I remember mm-hmm. I had a talk with someone, and a, again, I had a lawyer handle it, but they came up with a crafting podcast. This is a while back, and they changed one letter in the Craftcast, and Craftcast is trademark. Oh. And I said. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work that way. And I could tell. She was a young woman that thought, oh, but great minds see it alike, and it's not the same because there's one letter different. And I'm like, actually, <laughs> here's the trademark number, and you need to, you know, and I had a lawyer do the letter there. And it's really mm-hmm. ignorance. She really thought yeah. it was, a, you know, great minds think alike. It's like, mm-hmm. Not in this case. Yeah,
2: there seems to be um, a few excuses, and part of it is learning to be informed. Yeah, learning to be informed. Which is why I gave the lecture, and I hope that... You're um, good.
0: You're good, honey. You're getting it out there, and it's not easy to be the person on the soapbox saying Uh things like this. (laughs) It's not. But I'm I'm there with you.
2: Oh, I think it's, I really appreciate the fact that we're willing to talk about it out Correct. loud and make people, see, help people see that there is some larger considerations here. And it's that,
0: a good reminder. We forget about the larger considerations. Thank you our, for being the person doing yeah, that.
2: Our objective is to build a stronger community. And no matter what media you're in, and it's to build a more vibrant craft community for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's a great mission to have there. It really is. So, well, hon, I knew it would be fun talking to you. I knew I didn't even need a list of questions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you just got me on a roll. But I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Well, let's tell everyone. I'm going to go to the website, go to the Craftcast.com site to go check for all the links, or just Google in uh, Harriet Estelle Berman's name, and a lot of things will come up. You can go check out her. the keynote speech that she did uh, on a few different places on her website on Ask Harriet as well as slideshare.com but come over to craftcast.com for Mm -hmm. those links to make it easy. Thank you, darling. Thank you. I'll talk to you again soon.
2: All right. Right.
0: Well, I hope you all enjoyed that talk I had with Harriet. It is an ongoing and interesting conversation important to have and um, I love talking about all that kind of stuff. So uh, again, check out Harriet Estelle Berman's website she's just a fabulous artist. You can just Google that or you can come on over to craftcast.com. You can get the links. You can get the links to watch her presentation uh, and make sure you get the Craftcast app so you can listen to the uh, bonus material there on your mobile device on Harriet's uh, take on uh, steps to start finding your own unique voice. So there you go. So, in light of that, you know, I always have the ET, Entertaining Thoughts section of the show, and I had, um, I read something somewhere, you know how that goes, we take taken a lot of information, and I saved it, I don't think I can quote it to anyone in particular, uh, but I put it up on my Facebook page, and it got a lot of comments, and I think it's a great quote that sometimes we just need to remember, so I'm just going to leave you with this today, here, here's, here's what I wrote. Found, actually. I didn't write this, but picked it up. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. Right? I love that. I think it's a good one. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. I know there's a lot of light bulbs going off on there because sometimes we get very upset. And um, if we're not feeling 100% centered and all that, we might feel like, oh, Now I don't feel good about what I did. That person, you know, doesn't get it, doesn't think I'm worth something there, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I think that's something to put up on the bulletin board for those moments when you forget that your value does not decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. So there you go. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I love hearing from you. You can always leave me uh, an email at allison at craftcast.com. Uh, as well as make sure you check out the site, uh, craftcast.com, and that way you can uh, see everything that's going on. Uh, you can check on all of our live classes which, um, and recordings, which are becoming very popular, as they should, because literally the best teachers there are out there are teaching on CraftCast, as well as you can always call me at 845-535-9143. And until next time, you know what I have to say get your butt in the chair and keep crafting
1: just get yourself right into your chair come on listen you can learn to create something new it starts inside you